At COP27, Tuvalu has welcomed New Zealand's contribution towards compensation, stating that while it's a step in the right direction, whether or not the funding is significant ought to be questioned. Earlier this week, New Zealand joined just a handful of other countries in giving money to developing countries for the loss and damage wrought by climate change. Climate Change Minister James Shaw and Foreign Affairs Minister Nanaya Mahuta announced $20 million will be ring-fenced from a climate fund filed from revenue gathered from the emissions trading scheme. The Tuvalu Finance Minister Seve Painu welcomed the announcement, saying stronger commitment needs to be seen by neighbouring partners in this fight for climate justice. Through a facilitator on the ground in Egypt at COP27, Lydia Lewis and Rachel Nath were able to put some questions to Steve Pineu, beginning with one about his thoughts on the support offered by New Zealand. Firstly, it is encouraging that New Zealand is recognising the importance of loss and damage and therefore um, a specific uh, funding window uh, for loss and damage for the Pacific. Uh, so in that regard, uh, it is encouraging. Uh, in terms of the quantum, um, I think it's something that uh, the Pacific Island nations would be keen to um, interact and discuss with New Zealand as to what they're thinking uh, behind that quantum. Because as we all are aware and what uh, the Pacific Island nations have been advocating for, it's quite a sizable um, amount of uh, uh, climate finance needed for loss and damage and 11 million dollars uh, is just not sufficient uh, and not large enough so i i would see a process of discussions uh, ensuing from uh, this public announcement by new zealand as to how best we could uh, use this initial seed money to to catalyze um, mobilization of additional uh, finance but the encouragement, uh, the encouraging thing is that it's for the Pacific, uh, uh, the losses and damage incurred by the Pacific, and that's the encouragement uh, on that announcement. And what is your position on the inclusion of loss and damage uh, to the official discussion at COP27? Yeah, we are now really applauding it. Uh, finally, we got it on the agenda, the formal agenda of the COP. For the past several decades, we've been fighting for it. And finally, uh, we have made the breakthrough. I think what is important for us now is to seize this opportunity and really make use of it. Uh, Our position has been clear from day one until now, which is to get agreement among the parties to establish an operating entity of the financial mechanism under the convention, specifically addressing loss and damage. And secondly, to uh, get a, a commitment in this COP uh, for a two-year work program that would uh, uh, outline a process for developing this operating entity, the structure, the modality, and, and the procedures. And to follow up on that, what would the Pacific like to see in terms of accessibility to this funding? We would like to have a special consideration for the uniqueness of uh, the sets, uh, so that there should be um, a special window uh, for um, the case of the SITS, the small, small island developing states, uh, given our capacity uh, to access and also to implement. And the ease with which we can uh, get that money triggered down to the grassroots uh, as 
expeditiously as possible. So um, streamlining the procedures, having uh, simplified access modalities and having a special window specifically targeting uh, the SIDS. Great. And uh, just with regard to COP27 more generally, uh, we're a few days now into negotiations. What is your interpretation? How have negotiations, uh, negotiations been so far? It's, it's, it's tense. Um, and uh, I just see some uh, toughness uh, in the negotiating rooms. Uh, already uh, parties are now beginning to show their positions. Um, so, but... <laughs> This is not an unusual call. As always, uh, every year, this is what we need to uh, go through. We need to be patient. Uh, we have clear priorities. We have a clear position on what we need, and we just keep on that fight. And uh, being seven years onwards from the signing of the Paris Agreement, um, how have things shaped up for Pacific Island countries and territories, in your view? Well, um, at the uh, ground level, uh, nothing has changed, really. Um, there's a lot of uh, climate change impacts and needs that, that have remained unmet. And that's why we keep on uh, this fight in this COP, uh, so that partners and parties uh, should realize uh, the urgency with which this uh, issue needs to be addressed at all fronts, uh, not only the mitigation part, the adaptation, climate finance, and now the loss and damage. Um, so it's, it's really uh, uh, an urgent uh, action that is required by all parties. Still on COP27, a new platform to give world leaders a glimpse into the lived realities of people bearing the brunt of climate-related issues in the Pacific has been launched at the Climate Conference. Whatever action or inaction comes out of the Climate Conference as it heads into its second and final week will have a significant impact on the way of life for Pacific peoples for the years to come. Called Frontline Truths, the online platform includes things like climate mobility and the preparations for relocation because of the impacts of the crisis. Rachel Nath with the story. Movement and adaptation are rooted in the origins of Pacific people, but a new wave of movement brought about by climate crisis is fast becoming a reality, says 350.org Asia-Pacific representative Ms. Drew Slatter. Frontline Truth's platform is that it is a collection of stories about, about climate mobility from around the Pacific. The stories collected in Frontline Truths are simply uh, you know, a collection of, of the hopes, the fears, um, the lessons, and the, the aspirations of our people when it comes to climate-induced movement or, or mobility. Ms. Slatter tells us while people in the region have no authority over their displacement, their voices must be heard and validated in the decision-making process. And the reason it's so important is because decisions are being made now about the movement of our people and about, you know, um, the documentation of our cultures, uh, the, docu the documentation of our knowledge. You know, what happens when, when people are forced to relocate uh, when entire cultures are moved, you know, do families stay together? Are they separated? Does culture change depending on the land you are on? So the importance of this platform is that 
any of these policies or these frameworks or these decisions about the movement of our people due to climate change needs to be informed by the stories and the realities of people on the ground. Pacific Climate Warriors Brianna Fruens's Frontline Truths exposes not only physical challenges, but the contributing impacts of the climate crisis. If you actually look into the stories, it doesn't just really touch upon climate change, but if you look between the lines, you could see some intersectionalities as well with the struggles of our people. And um, for example, um, you would see some some nuances within our women's stories and see how climate change truly impacts the women of our region. And so having these stories uplifted on, on a platform like Frontline Truths, where it becomes accessible to everyday people, we're able to actually take a step back from our busy lives and be reminded of what a huge crisis that is not only environmental, but is humanitarian. Ms. Forensis, with negotiations happening at COP27 that will largely impact Pacific lives, this was the appropriate platform to launch frontline truths. So it becomes a platform that lives on beyond COP and it becomes a platform that um, an average person can access that won't be as intimidating as the documents that are drafted in negotiation rooms where they can connect on a human level to these stories and maybe feel a little bit less intimidated and a little bit less uh, scared to be a part of the climate conversations when we can make it more human. With COP27 ending next week, the aim is that the discussion will continue through the Frontline Truths online space.